you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. set of twins back to the Lord. No telling what these children would do. Amen. Our faithfulness speaks volumes into what their future may look like. We are building their future through our faithfulness, our steadfastness, our consistency. And so I'm thankful this opportunity this morning. Hannah literally brought Samuel back to the temple and lent him to the Lord. Eli trained Samuel to hear the voice of God and to respond in the way that the priesthood should respond. So all that you see through Samuel's life didn't happen by accident. It was because there were specific people that were in his life that affected and shaped and molded. And whether you are a family member or a church member that are involved in these children's lives, you are playing a role and a part in shaping and forming not just these children, but every child in this church. This morning, we probably have 75 or 80 kids in the classrooms this morning with teachers that are teaching them and training them. There are so many outlets and so many avenues where the church affects the lives of these children. And you never know what that word. I look back over my life and think of the the men and women that influenced my life. And I could stand this morning and call names of saints that have gone on to be with the Lord. And I perhaps in my youth, never understood the impact that they were making until now when I look back and I can go back to those specific moments and recognize the elders 
had such incredible influence and made such an indelible impact in my life. And so be encouraged today. You never know who you're affecting. Your worship of the person sitting around you this morning may just speak volumes to them. Your response when you're going through t trial and test, whether you take flight and run or whether you become steadfast, unmovable, and always abounding in the work of the Lord, that also speaks volumes. And so I'm thankful to every person in this room that serves the Lord with gladness today. Aren't you glad to be in the house of the Lord and part of the kingdom of God? Amen. You can be seated this morning. I'll... I'll read here in a few moments. Um, we'll get into the word of the Lord. And I'm just going to preach this morning. I know we're going to do the dedication at the conclusion, but I'm just going to preach a message this morning that I believe is going to impact every person in the room today. And at the conclusion, we're going to pray a dedication prayer, not just over these children, but over every, every family that is in this room. We're going to pray a dedication and rededication over every home and every family. How many of you know that's important? Amen. Amen. Today I am going to speak on the anointing. And I'm going to be talking about this subject this morning. Um, even today as we were praying over the sick. Some may not even be familiar with the scripture in James chapter 5 where the Bible teaches us for those that are sick to call for the elders of the church to pray over them, anointing them with oil. And the Bible said that the prayer of faith, it's not the oil, it's the prayer of faith that will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Brother Brandon Newcomer uh, is out this morning traveling, but he is connected with um, a pastor from out west uh, by the name of Ron Bode. Pastor Bode has a woodworking shop and made these. This particular vial, I believe, was made by Brother Bode. Brother Brandon Newcomer has been connected with him and is picking up uh, where he was leaving off, and he's been making these along with other items that make great gifts for um, ministers, pastors, and even in homes and families. It's just a beautiful piece, but connected with this and the purpose of this, uh, of course, is the anointing oil by which we use to anoint. Now, this oil, of course, was probably purchased at Walmart, and um, before my wife put her concoctions together, nothing voodoo now, uh, we don't believe in that, uh, but she put aromas together um, in that, and I'm going to talk a little bit about that this morning, and the anointing, but the anointing um, is more than just for um, the sick, the, the anointing is used in several times, and then uh, the scripture talks about the anointing, or in the proper translation, the unction of the Holy Spirit. And so therefore there is a typology of the anointing oil, the physical anointing oil that was used in the Old Testament 
by the priest who worked in the temple and by the anointing or the unction of the Holy Ghost. And so that is what you and I have working in our life. So this lesson this morning is both literal in the physical sense of talking about oil and spiritual in the sense by which the Holy Ghost anoints us for specific tasks. And so we're going to talk a little bit about these today. There are two types of anointing that I'm going to touch on this morning. The first anointing is the anointing of man. And that anointing uh, comes through submission. And that is where uh, one would be anointed by, a younger would be anointed by an elder. And uh, we're going to have such an anointing this morning upon these three babies and upon these families that are here that we will anoint. And by the time I'm done, I pray that there is a maybe even clear understanding of everybody in the room of what we are doing and why we are doing what we are doing today. And then we're going to talk about the anointing of God. And that is the spiritual anointing that is the typology of the physical anointing of the oil. There is uh, a spiritual anointing that is used in typology. So everything that you see in the physical uh, happens in the spiritual and so I'm going to teach for a little bit this morning for us to gather our thoughts and what uh, we are talking about. And then we're going to have a moment that we're going to respond to what the Lord is doing this morning. So Leviticus chapter 8, if you have your Bibles and would like to turn there, I'm going to begin with chapter 10 of Leviticus, the 8th chapter, verse number 10 through 12. Leviticus 8, 10 through 12. Say amen when you're there. And Moses took the anointing oil. Now this is speaking of the physical. And anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein and sanctified them. And he sprinkled thereof upon the altar seven times. Now this may be because the altar should be the most anointed part of every church. Our altar should be a place of anointing. And anointed the altar and all of his vessels, both the labor and his foot, to sanctify them. Verse 12, and he poured of the anointing oil upon Aaron's head. And anointed him to, everybody say sanctify, to sanctify him. How many of you at the onset of this message understands that in every life it is not gifts and talents, but it is the anointing of God that makes the difference? Um, the Bible teaches that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. And now, I'm going to touch on this just a little bit this morning because there are levels of anointing that I'm going to touch on. Now, 
um, there there are you will see where some are anointed in a more gra- in a greater uh, aspect than others. I don't know about you, but I want a great anointing upon my life. Is that how you feel this morning, right where you are? Why don't you just lift your hands and let's ask the Lord. God, we're asking this morning for your anointing to rest upon us. God, let the anointing of your spirit rest upon every man, woman, boy, or girl in this room today. Lord, that we may be anointed of your spirit to do great exploits in the kingdom of God. And we thank you for that and give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm going to talk to you this morning about the anointing of dedication. The anointing of dedication. David's first anointing took place among his brothers. And with that anointing that was bestowed upon David, David killed a lion and a bear. He defeated Goliath and led an army while he was under that anointing, a physical anointing of his brothers. But before David could lead Judah uh, and serve as king and lead Judah, it required a fresh and a greater anointing. Everybody say fresh anointing. Fresh anointing. We all need to ask God for a fresh anointing. Uh, One time anointing may be significant and we may know that we're called for a purpose, but we need a fresh anointing. David developed the anointing that was in his life from potential king to appointed king and eventually to ruling king. Now I'm going to help the parents of these that we're going to anoint and any parent in the room that's raising up children and, and young people. It doesn't matter how much we wish for our children or we think for our children. I just want to tell you that we must train them up in the way that they should go so that when they're old they'll not depart from it. You can't come forward this morning and anoint these babies with oil and anoint and sanctify them wholly unto the Lord to be used in his kingdom and used for his purpose and expect that they're going to grow up automatically working in the kingdom of God. We must take what God has given us and the potential that comes with the anointing and we must work that and we must train that and we must build upon that and there will be multiple times of fresh anointing that must be placed upon these children, both of us and of God, so that they can grow and be what God is asking them to be. So David had to develop from shepherd to warrior and to ruler. Can you imagine the stories that David would tell if we knew of everything that happened in his life from the time he was anointed a shepherd to the time he was a warrior and to the time that he was a king. The anointing was placed upon him as a lad, but he didn't live in that anointing for many years later. He was first recognized by his family, but eventually he was recognized by his tribe And then later on, he was recognized by the entire nation. Do you see the progress here? Everybody with me this morning. You doing all right today? 
I'm trying to help somebody because sometimes we can get locked into the idea if I can just get them baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost, our job is over. But the truth is, that's just the beginning. That is the foundational work. Now we must grow in faith. We must position them at a point where God can grow them and develop them and use them. You, you may have, you may be a, a great, a great, um, you may be a great athlete and gifted in a specific sport and have a child that you want to be gifted in that specific sport. And so when they're children, you can buy them the jersey and put on them and the caps that put on them with all of the athletic paraphernalia and, and they just look amazing and cute and sweet and we take pictures and declare before that they have any cognition of what a sports team is that they are a fan. And so often we live out in our children what we wanted in our own life. And so, so we can declare all of those things, but I am going to tell you they're never going to be the ball player until you get them some lessons. Until you, until you get them some experience. And that means they're going to have to learn what it's like to win and they're going to have to learn what it's like to lose. Uh, our society may be moving us in a point of everybody gets the ribbon and it's honorable mention and nobody wins and nobody loses, but that isn't life. There's a point that if they're going to succeed, we've got to teach them how to win and we've got to teach them how you ought to act when you lose. So the anointing can be upon them, the desire can be there, the approval of the parent can be there, but until they have some experiences, they can't grow from being a shepherd, a warrior, and a ruler. That, has, that, that just requires a lot of experience. And so they have to grow in that and become what God is asking them and calling them to do. I want to remind this church and the leadership of this church, if CLC is ever going to accomplish the will of God, it will require a greater anointing. And at every point that we go through a great test and a great trial, when we come out the other side of it, we need to ask God for fresh oil so that we can then move on to the next victory. But you don't get the victory until you win the battle. You don't pass to the next grade until you pass the test of the lower grade. Uh, I know we talk about we're going to the next level. I've heard it preached about so much in the last few years. We're going to the next level. We're going to the next level. I don't. Somebody said how many levels are there? I don't know. I guess there's levels to Jesus comes. But this much I do know. You can't go to the next level till you pass the level where you are. And so the test of where you are is what God is using to try to take you to where he wants to take you to. And so you need an anointing for where you are, but you need a fresh anointing for where you are going. If God's going to take you somewhere, you've got to be faithful and anointed where you are so he can elevate you to go to where he is wanting you to go and to do what he is wanting to do in your life. When we speak of the anointing today, it's often taken lightly. At times it's disregarded and mere symbolic or even discounted as a metaphor with very little purpose. In this day, it seems that it is diminished to 
mere antics than associated with volume or fervency and intensity of delivering our message or our song. If someone sings and turns red in the face, we say they must be anointed. The truth is that's just that's just the physical uh, that's just the physical uh, part of what they are doing. The anointing doesn't have to be loud and boisterous. The anointing can be gentle and small, but the anointing will always break the yoke. The gift and talent will never break the yoke. It is the anointing that will break the the yoke. It is what is done in secret. It is the secret prayer life. It is the secret time of consecration to the Lord. It is what is done in secret that will prepare us for the whole world to see what God is doing in our life. How many people witnessed what David did on the shepherd field? I would say not many, very, very few at all. But eventually the whole nation was going to recognize the leader and the anointed one that he was. But the anointing is our covering and it is there to bridge the gap between God and man. It is the barrier, I believe, between the holy and the unholy, the identifying mark of this church must be the thing that will set this church apart and the thing that becomes so visible. And it is not our holiness and separation from the world. Although that's important and a very important mark, but it must be the holy anointing oil. In this day of in this day where people have diminished the anointing uh, and they play it down, um, it is time for the church to recognize that we need to go deeper and we need to ask God for something real, something more than gifts and talents can bring but something that is powerful. The anointing is something far more important than gifts and talent. So the anointing bridges the gap between God and man. I'm going to try to help you understand this because we all need the anointing. Let me break this down for you. The anointing oil, the first instance of the religious use of the oil in Scripture was used for dedication. It was used for the anointing of the stone by Jacob in Genesis chapter number 28. In Genesis 28 and 18, the scripture says, and Jacob rose up early in the morning and he took the stone that he had used for a pillow and he set it up for a pillar and he poured oil upon the top of it. Now this was the first time we read in scripture about the anointing oil. David literally took the anointing oil and anointed a stone. Strange, isn't it? He anointed a rock that he rested his head upon to get through the night. And he set that up for a pillar or a memorial unto the Lord because that's where God had met with him that night. And so there at this place where God met with him, he anointed the stone and the oil upon the stone marked the stone. It was an unnatural thing. And so when the oil upon the, was placed upon the stone, it discolored the stone 
and no amount of water, no matter what you would do, nothing would wash the discoloration off. And so when someone would come by, they would notice and see oil has been poured out upon the stone. So it was a memorial, everybody say a memorial, meaning it was a holy place. There was something significant about that place. Can we talk a little bit about what we're going to do this morning? Can we talk a little bit about anointing these children? This is just this morning. There are multiple anointings. I'm going to talk about some of those. The day that they are that, that they repent of their sins, are baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost, there is going to be a fresh anointing upon that. There'll be pictures taken this morning and mementos that's taken home and they're going to remember and parents are going to remind them of where they were dedicated back to the Lord right here. I pray that they receive the Holy Ghost right here, but wherever they receive the Holy Ghost, it's fine with me as long as they receive the Holy Ghost. But the day that they repent of their sins or baptized and receive the, the Holy Ghost, that is another point. There will be callings of God upon their lives as they move forward. And every one of those places will be significant to them. I can go back to the place where I first received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I can take you to the moment. I have the date written down. 1975, February of 1975, and I can go right back to the point, to the place I had visited there. I've taken my children back there. That You know why? Because there was a, I had built a memorial there. No, not a physical stone. No, not a physical pouring out of oil, but there was something significant there. There was a memorial there about what God has done. When God does a miracle in your life, when things happen like last Sunday, when there was a physical miracle that happened in this church, when we prayed over somebody and God healed them, we can look back through the times and talk about some of the miracles of the church, some of the miracles that are happening. Our children need to hear us talk about, hey, I was there when that happened. I was there. I can tell you about that. That's called a memorial. We need to build memorials at junctures in the child's life. I remember when I dedicated you back to the Lord. I remember when I baptized you in Jesus' name. I remember the time God healed you and the time God kept you and the time God was with you when evil might have befallen upon you. I remember. I remember. We're anointing that place. We're pouring oil out. We are reminding them of where they were when, when the doctor said it was going to be this way, but God turned it around. Uh -huh. See, there's an anointing there. We need to go back there. We don't ever let them forget that. That's why it's so important for the elders, grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles to tell the story of where God brought us from. Some of my greatest memory of miracles are stories that my father told as we were growing up. Tell your story. Tell it all over again. Tell it afresh and anew. Let them go say, Grandpa's telling that story again. That's all right. Keep pouring oil out upon that memorial. We all need the anointing. And so Jacob rose up early in the morning and pours oil out. This anointing was a design of a formal dedication of a stone or a location for a sacred purpose. 
Solomon's temple. I preached about it a week or two ago. When it was built in all of its beauty and all of its array, Solomon's temple, it was anointed. There was a dedication service that happened, and they anointed that tabernacle. They poured oil out upon that tabernacle, and it was special for that location. Now watch this. Under Mosaic law, both people and things that are set apart for the sacred purpose of use in the kingdom or in the tabernacle were anointed with a holy anointing oil as part of a consecration ceremony. Now let me help you with this. In other words, every utensil that was to be used inside the tabernacle when it was made by its maker, when it was formed and shaped, it went through the process of shaping and forming and then it went through the process of cleansing and it was taken to the temple and they literally took holy anointing oil and they poured the oil out upon the utensil that was to be used in the tabernacle. So in other words, the vessel that was going to catch the blood had to first be anointed. The candlestick and the laver of water and everything had to be anointed. It had to have oil poured upon it. It was anointed for a specific person. It was it was consecrated. It was an anointing of dedication or an anointing of consecration. This is a special anointing. In reality, it's kind of like what we're doing with these children this morning. Because what we are doing is the anointing that is going to be placed upon them is very similar to the anointing that was placed in our text that was placed upon the head of Aaron. So when we talk about the anointing being placed upon the head, it is significant of a consecration or to be set aside for a special use. Now watch this. These babies can't make any decisions on their own this morning. The parents have to make the decision. The, the, the children can't decide what they want and what they're doing. We come this morning and some folks say, oh, that's just cute and that's sweet. I sometimes speak of weddings, and weddings are not necessarily my favorite thing in the whole world, um, but they're beautiful, and we take wedding photos, and I often tease and say, boy, that was one real expensive photo op. But in all reality, there's a lot more that happens at a wedding, because it is designed of the Lord and when there are sacred vows that are taken and sealed by the Holy Ghost and when the, the man of, or woman of God speaks over that home, over that family, over that union, there is something that happens in the heavenly and therefore the scripture said what God hath joined together, not man, but what God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. When when items were brought and anointed to be used, you couldn't take those utensils out and take them camping with you. You couldn't borrow them and take them home for use in your garage sale. They were, 
holy. They couldn't be taken out. They had to be used for the one purpose that they were designed for. Let me tell you what happens when the priest was anointed. He couldn't go out and do anything else, but he stood in the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and oil was poured out upon his head, and it ran down through his garments, and he then and only then was able to walk into the, into the congregation of the people and to be able to minister. When we anoint these children this morning, we are saying, enemy, devil, take your hands off of these children. We have dedicated them to the Lord. Their gifts, their talents, their abilities are not to be used for the things of the world. But the parents are willing it to say, we are dedicating them for the work of the Lord. And we'll fight every devil in hell that tries to turn them a different direction. I will be faithful to the house of God. I will bring them here. I will train them up in the way they should go. I will teach them the ways of the Lord. And when they're old, I have a promise to stand on. They will not depart. That's the significance of this day. I won't be too much longer before we call for prayer, but the care of this holy anointing was entrusted to Eleazar. And in latter times, that duty was relinquished to the sons of the priest. Now, I want to talk about this just a little bit. This anointing that I'm talking about, this anointing is what changed everything for the future. Now, there's no salvation in anointing. Understand this. The child is not saved because we anoint them. What we are doing is dedicating them back to the Lord. Just like Hannah brought Samuel before the priest for the use in the tabernacle, we are coming back here and saying it is our will that they grow up in the way of the Lord. But there will be a point in these children's lives when they have to decide, this is what I want too. Now you can't wait until they're 15 to say, oh, by the way, we've never taken you to church, but now we want you to decide if you want to serve the Lord or not. That isn't how you do it. I'm going to tell you how you do it. You bring them every day, just like Hannah did, and bring them to the temple and allow them to become familiar with the priest and allow them to become familiar with the pastor and the Sunday school teachers and the elders of the church and the events of the church and not just highlight the hurts and the wounds and the horrible things that happen but we've got to highlight the good times and the blessings and the miracles and everything else. Build some memorials that they fall in love with while they're young. I've got to, I've got to hurry, but the oil, I jokingly mentioned the concoction that my wife puts together. The oil is prepared from the finest of ingredients. It was myrrh and cinnamon and calamus, and cassia, and olive oil. And the core is olive oil, and of course all of these things um, came from uh, plants, from the sap of trees. Uh, It was the juices that were pulled from the pods of plants. And all of this went through much pressure, squeezing, bending, pressure, eating. And from that, 
these juices were extracted and they were very precious, some of these very costly to purchase. The holy anointing oil, there was a the Bible gives the recipe for the holy anointing oil, and they would take the choice of olive oils, and it couldn't just be any olive, it had to be the best of the olives and the best from the press, and they took this choice olive oil and they mixed with it these spices, and my wife took the biblical recipe and she mixed these um, these wonderful scents into them and any one of them alone is is maybe nice um, and at first glance you might find it nice but after years of smelling it me and my sons forgetting that this stuff is uh, could not be holy um it's a wonderful fragrance at certain times. And then after a while, the fragrance, I, I, I love you, babe, but I, by the priesthood, and they put it together, and it came from all of these things where they were ex extra extracted by pressure and extracted by heat and, and, and by pressing and twisting and breaking. Um. I just let, let me just drop this little thought in there that what you go through in life will either bring the best or worst out of you. And the anointing that is placed upon them is placed upon them to see them through some of those times. Um, and the other thing we have to understand is the anointing, the anointing flows down. Um, that's why it is so very important. What we're doing today is not truly just baby dedication. What we are doing today is really family dedication. And if we really wanted to do this right today, we ought to start to begin with, with anointing my head as the pastor of this church because the anointing flows down. And so it needs to start here. It needs to start with the head of the household because it flows down to the children. And so where we are in our, our, our walk with God matters. This is because the anointing flows down. So the Old Testament priests, the anointing, they were anointed at the door of the tabernacle before they come in to minister. The garment was saturated with oil, but the oil quickly would evaporate to where it is not visible inside to the garment, you would no longer see that oil was upon it. That was because of the consistency that they mixed together, and it was part of what it did. It would not stain a, the garment, the priestly garment, but when it was poured upon them, it would quickly evaporate, but within the weave of the garment, many of you have heard me talk about this many times, within the weave of the garment will be the aroma of the holy anointing oil. While you cannot see it with your eyes, when they walk into an area, the sweet aroma of the holy anointing will be present to everybody around them. This is why it's so very important because what we're doing ought to affect their countenance, 
and their influence with everybody they're around because when somebody is anointed, you don't have to go around and say, excuse me, I'm anointed. I have this title, this position, and I'm this X, Y, Z. You don't have to tell anybody what you are because the anointing will precede you. Your presence will precede you. The anointing of God will be there before you ever get there. Come on, somebody. When you're anointed, you don't have to announce it. It will announce itself. And everywhere they ministered, the aroma of the holy anointing would be there. In the New Testament, the physical anointing was for healing and forgiveness of sin, as I've talked about in James chapter 5, as I mentioned at the beginning of the message. The disciples anointed the sick. James instructed the elders to anoint. Why oil? The only reason I could think of is because oil represents Christ in the spirit. And I mentioned earlier that the oil is a barrier between God and man. And I want to help you. I want to bring this full circle here in the next three minutes. The oil creates a barrier between the holy and the unholy. You see, there's nothing holy about the utensil that comes. The oil is the barrier between the unholy utensil and the holy work that God is going to do through the and with the utensil. And so the anointing is there as a barrier between the physical and the spiritual. Does that make sense? There's really nothing holy about the priest. Are you okay with this this morning? The the anointing oil is what it is what separates humanity from the realm of the spirit that's why we must be filled with the holy ghost it is that anointing it is the unction of the holy ghost that is the barrier between humanity and the holy that's why somebody must be mightily anointed before they are used when you lay hands on the sick and they recover somebody's anointing meaning that this flesh is under subjection and I receive no glory because I have been anointed there is a barrier so that I cannot I cannot take the credit in the flesh. Five tell us to anoint the sick with oil because if we walked forward and laid hands on them, as they said, lay hands on the sick. If we come and lay hands on the sick and they receive healing, then we start thinking, oh, well, we need that person to lay hands on us so I can receive healing. But James says anoint them with oil because it is a barrier between the person being used and praying the prayer and the, and the one that is doing the healing. And so therefore the barrier means if the anointing is there, it doesn't matter if it's Brother Dylan that lays hands on them or Sister Cheryl that lays hands on them or Sister Chelsea that lays hands on them. What matters is that the oil is there. It is the barrier between humanity and divinity. measure of your anointing matters. Saul and David were both anointed. They had many similarities. But if you read through, you will see that there's also many differences. The Bible talks about them in manners that was that was so similar and then so different. But at the point of their anointing, David took a vial of oil and poured it upon Saul's head. But the same Samuel 
took a horn of oil and poured it out upon David's head. Little anointing, little power. Greater anointing, greater power. Saul has slain his thousands. David, his ten thousands. Anybody with me this morning? The greater the, the anointing, the greater the potential for use in the kingdom of God. I'm not talking about the amount of oil that I want to dab on these children's head this morning, but I'm talking about the unction of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about every one of you that are in this room this morning. You need to make sure your children are anointed with fresh oil. You need to make sure your life is anointed with fresh oil. If it's been a while since you've had a breakthrough and spoke with other tongues and let the Holy Ghost give you a fresh touch, you need to get down to this altar this morning and say, God, give me a fresh touch. I need fresh oil for my fresh battle. Stand with me. I'm going to call these families to the platform with me here as Gentry and Destiny and all the family that would come would come to my left as Matt and Rachel and all the family that's coming with them would come here to my right. And while they're moving this morning, I'm going to conclude and finish what I'm wanting to say to you this morning. David talks about the oil and he said, My horn shalt thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn and I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Let me talk to you this morning. I know there's a lot of movement here on the platform and that's fine, but I want to talk to you this morning. I'll talk to them in a few moments. But if it's been a while since you have been anointed with fresh oil, if it's been a while since the Holy Ghost has saturated you and bathed you afresh and anew with fresh oil, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond this morning as well. We're going to dedicate these children, but at the same time, every family in this church needs to rededicate your life and your family to the Lord. Because what we're doing this morning amounts to nothing, as I've already said. The job of raising these children rests upon the parents and the grandparents, the family, the aunts, the uncles. But unless there is a church that says we're going to be the kind of church God has called us to be, we are going to be a Jesus name church regardless what the world says. We're going to be a separated and holy church regardless what the world does. That's the kind of church we need to be. And that means every family in this church must make sure that we stay anointed with fresh oil. So here's what I'm doing this morning now that these families are on the platform. I'm going to ask all the families of the church, if you're a guest, join with us this morning. And we're going to ask you to also come and gather in around the front this morning with your family. If your family's in the room, husbands and wives, if your family's in the room, gather together with your family. This is going to be family dedication this morning, and everybody come forward and join us. I invite you all. Come and be part of this this morning. This is just a moment where we're going to come together, and we're, going to, we're just going to consecrate to the Lord, rededicate to the Lord our home and our family and our lives, and just say, God, I want you to use me, use my family, use my children, there needs to be a prayer over every home and every family that are in this room this morning.
How many of you want that fresh anointing upon your life? You want God, you need that fresh anointing. You need that fresh anointing this morning. Here's what we're going to do today. We're going to begin by praying over these that have come to bring these babies to the Lord. We're going to dedicate, we're going to dedicate Remington and Emerson this morning, and we're going to dedicate Sadie back to the Lord this morning. I don't want you just coming and standing in the front of the room, but I also want you to say, we're going to dedicate our home and family this morning. I want you to pull your family close to you if you have them with you. And I want you to begin to pray a dedication prayer over them this morning. Families that are here on the platform with me this morning, here's what we're going to do. Father Zanette, you have the you have the anointing oil with you this morning. Is it here? I want you to give Gentry one vial of anointing oil for Sadie. I want you to give Matt and Rachel a vial of anointing oil for Remington and Emerson this morning. And we're going to anoint these babies with oil this morning as a point of dedication back to the Lord. I just want the families just to reach a hand forward and lay hands upon these parents and upon these babies this morning. And we're going to pray over them in Jesus' name. Church, I want you just to lift your voice in prayer right now as we dedicate these babies to the Lord.
church, why don't you just pull your family together this morning and right now, why don't you just commit one to another? We're going to be more faithful than we've ever been. We're going to be more dedicated to God than we've ever been. We're going to do our best to be proactive in ensuring that every landmark that God provides for our home and family, every miracle, every time He provides a a way out of no way, every time there is a miracle done in our lives, we're going to build a memorial and say, God, this is one of those teaching moments that we're going to teach and train our children and remind them the faithfulness of the Lord, of the faithfulness of the Lord, hands lifted high toward heaven. Would you just rededicate your family, maybe your personal life this morning, rededicate to the Lord and declare, God, I'm in your hands. I'm not my own, but I have been bought with a price. I'm not my own. 